1: Hey guys and welcome to the Moms and Murder podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself Mandy and my dear friend Melissa. Hi Melissa.
0: Hi Mandy, how are you? I'm doing great this week. How are you? Doing just fine, thanks. Nothing exciting. Oh, just yeah. fine. That's she better than fine. like just terrible, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a just there but it can go either way. So maybe after editing if things go downhill I'll just change that out. <laughs> real yeah. quick. <laughs> yeah. Well good.
1: I mean I guess no news is good news. No Wait, no bad news is good news? No, it's just no (laughs) news is good
0: news. And that's fine. That's fine. I'm normally the bad news person, so I'll take it. I'll take no news.
1: Perfect. All right. So we'll get right into the story this week. So we are all adults here, but I think most people kind of revert back to their childhood mentality when the topic of bodily functions comes up our bodies do all kinds of weird involuntary things like burping and sneezing and passing gas and getting goosebumps and yawning. And all of these bodily functions, of course, are necessary for us. And while they can sometimes be funny, usually it's more of an annoyance for the person who is literally being assaulted by their own reflexes. So I think everyone would agree that one of the most annoying random bodily functions is getting the hiccups. Even the best scientists in the world can't figure out exactly why we even get the hiccups, and it's because hiccuping appears to serve absolutely no purpose at all, but yet it can be brought on from several different things, including eating, sudden excitement, stress, drinking alcohol, and several other factors. So let's be real there is never a convenient time to be struck with a bout of the hiccups. And if you're anything like me, as soon as you get the first one, you start trying all these different tricks and things that you learned as a kid for how to get rid of them. So Melissa, did you learn any get rid of hiccup tricks when you were growing up?
0: Yeah, I remember the holding your breath thing, having somebody scare you. My daughter, the second she gets a hiccup, she does the water in like does a headstand on the wall, but it doesn't matter where yes. we are. She's like, I got to take care of this.
1: <laughs> yes. That was always my favorite one was swallowing water upside down. So like, I still do it. And I'm sure if anyone ever catches me doing this, they're like, what on earth is she doing? Because I will just like take a sip of water and then just like lean over so I can swallow it. Yeah. And, like, my kids are like, what are you doing? Why are you drinking water like that? But I'm like, this is how you get rid of the hiccups. I, I don't know, that know what it's to tell true, you, but this is, yeah, this is just <laughs> what I've always, this is what I've always known to be true. So we're going to keep doing it. Even into adulthood but I will do anything to make the hiccups go away as quickly as they came on so at this point you're probably thinking what are you talking about and what does this have to do with true crime so we're actually going to get there but what if you couldn't make your hiccups stop after the typical few minutes that you expected them to at what point would the panic really start to set in would it be after an hour or two hours or after 24 hours I don't know for me when I think I would start panicking, but probably after about, I don't know, 10 minutes having the hiccups, I would be a little concerned, but I'm also very dramatic and I would be like, this is never going to end. These are never going to go away. So I don't know what your, yeah, I don't know what your threshold would be for having the hiccups or when you would be concerned. Um, Honestly, if they're not done within a
0: minute, I'm kind of panicking, but you know, what's worse for me? Yawning. Have you ever gotten a yawn stuck? I think we've talked about this. I can't even think about it. And I (laughs) physically have to go to sleep as quickly as possible because I can't break it. And now I'm really worried about the rest of this episode. I know. (laughs) No, I don't. (laughs) Well, I have done
1: the thing where I will sit there and like try to
0: force myself
1: to yawn Yeah. Like, you try to yeah. actually induce a yawn and so I'll just be sitting there with my mouth hanging open and my husband will be like what are you doing I'm like I'm trying to yawn and he's like what well, do you have to yawn I'm like I don't think so but I'm going to
0: like, oh my gosh yeah well, well then I'm just fixated on that the other thing is sneezing I don't the, we're really getting off topic here but sneezing like if I feel like I'm going to start sneezing my husband will say bless you which there is no way he's going to get stabbed more <laughs> quickly than than that if he ever is killed by me it's going to be because he said bless you in the middle of me trying to sneeze because I'll be like staring at the sun thinking I'm doing it like without him noticing like quietly turning in a circle and hoping my face like please god please let the sun hit me just right and he'll say bless you and I just all bets are off I just there's no (laughs) word that won't come out of my mouth I'm just I can't take it so yes these involuntary things have ruined my life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yours and everyone else's, I feel like. Um, So back to the hiccups. Um, According to Guinness Medical Records, the world record for the longest time having the hiccups belongs to a man named Charles Osborne. And he began hiccuping in 1922 while he was weighing a hog for slaughter. And apparently, this man just kept right on hiccuping for the next 68 years. And when it first started, he was hiccuping 40 times in an hour. But over the course of his life it slowed if you can actually even say that to 20 times per hour so that's actually not even an important fact it's just a crazy fact I found while I was researching the rest of this episode but 68 years having the hiccups I just don't even know what I would do with
0: my I think that pig he was weighing was possessed and its ghost jumped into him and he had ghost (laughs) hiccups for the rest of his life because that makes no sense that's so crazy oh my gosh no I can't even think about this I'm gonna gonna have a full-on panic attack before this is over (laughs) This the, the topic
1: of, like, having the hiccups oh for this long is worse than any horror movie I can even come up with. Yeah. The subject of today's episode didn't quite suffer for that long, but she did become known as the Hiccup Girl in 2007 after she started hiccuping and didn't stop for over five weeks. Jennifer Mee became a social media celebrity and even appeared on local and national news shows hoping to find a doctor that could help rid Jennifer of these hiccups. Finally, after 38 days of constant hiccuping, Jennifer woke up one morning and the hiccups were gone. She'd gotten her five minutes of fame and no one thought that they would ever hear from the hiccup girl again. But just three years later, her name resurfaced in the media for a far more serious reason after she was believed to be a part of a plot that cost a man his life. The crime this week took place in St. Petersburg, Florida. And before we get into the details, we're going to tell you a little about St. Pete in this week's
0: episode of We Googled This City. And I'm very excited because I love St. Pete. Oh, good. Well, here's a fun fact for you. Every week when Mandy and I are doing these, I'll Google or I'll message her or she'll message me and say, here's the city for this week. And so I just go from there. I Want to let it be known that there are several St. Petersburgs, (laughs) but the one we're talking about today is in Florida. And the one I originally researched by accident is the one in Russia. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) And I'd love to tell you that upon reading the words home to the highest cathedral in Russia, that I caught my mistake. But no, it was not until I saw a list and it was like also Florida has a St. Petersburg that I was like, oh gosh, that's that I'm not on the right page. So here are your Florida St. Petersburg facts. St. Petersburg, Florida is a city on the west coast of Florida and as of the 2019 census estimate has a population of around 265,000 residents. St. Petersburg is known as being the sunshine city in the sunshine state and that's because it averages, get this, 361 sunny days per year. 361. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah imagine what people do on those four days they must think the fall like the sky is falling (laughs) well surely that just
1: means it's like sunny at some point during the day right because it's still in florida so they still must get the same like thunderstorms every day that we all do listen
0: i lost a lot of time in searching (laughs) st petersburg russia so i don't know But they did have one time they had 768 consecutive days of sunshine, which made it into the Guinness Book of World Records. So I'm sure you're right. There's no way there's just like this blanket city. But whenever I saw it, I was like, wow, that's cool. I'm such an idiot. Okay, next, (laughs) St. Petersburg is the home of the first scheduled commercial airline flight. On January 1st, 1914, the mayor at the time, whose name I think is Abe Feel, left St. Petersburg and flew to Tampa. The flight was known as the, wow, this is incredibly lazy. It's only a 25-minute drive flight. <laughs> that's the <laughs> smallest thing I've ever heard. I'm like, I looked at on the map. I'm like, really? That's, that's literally, you guys are in the record books for this. Wonderful. Mandy, you'll like this. According to Bella Dog Magazine, St. Petersburg is the third most dog-friendly city in the U.S. I hear it's very woofy. That's terrible. It's supposed to be lovely and I messed that up. Let me just keep going. I've got to just finish Oh, wait,
1: this. wait, wait, wait. Okay. Is there is there a dog joke in here somewhere or can I no. just
0: tell a story? <laughs> I said it. I hear it's very woofly, and that was supposed to be my dog joke <laughs> no. to go into the next one. But tell your dog thing because I've already derailed this whole thing. Go ahead.
1: Oh, I was going to say that doesn't surprise me that St. Pete is so dog friendly because last time I was there, I actually went to a place called the Dog Bar and it's exactly what it sounds like where you, it's a bar, but people take their dogs and you just hang out there and just, that's it. You just get a drink and you hang out with dogs like that are just running all over the place. I know it doesn't probably sound like much to you, Melissa, but to me it is a dream and I was so excited to know that that existed it, somewhere. It sounds better than like a cat cafe.
0: I am I take that back. Everybody loves a cat cafe, including me. I'm totally, totally <laughs> kidding. I'm totally joking on that one. So lastly, speaking of animals, back in 2008, a monkey escaped and evaded capture for almost three years, hanging out all over the St. Pete area. The monkey, who is now named Cornelius, was finally caught after biting a woman in her backyard. And she actually felt really bad because like because of the bite, he got caught and she was like, I didn't mean for this to happen. I'm like, you're the one that got bit by a a monkey. You're okay. So Cornelius is now living at Dade City's Wild Things Zoo, and he became a father back in 2015. So Mandy, as they say in St. Petersburg, Russia, let's stop a-b-z-n-e-cheat and get on with the episode. Let's stop monkeying around. Let's do this. (laughs) Perfect. I love it. Okay. Jennifer
1: Mee was 15 years old when her famous bout with hiccups earned national attention and made her name known across the country. Before that, she was a typical kid living with her mom, stepdad, and siblings and struggling through her teen angst and trying to find her place in the world. Jennifer suffered with learning disabilities as a child as well as some health concerns, but she lived mostly a quiet life and stayed out of trouble. Sadly, when Jennifer was a young child, she was sexually abused multiple times by two different men in her life. At one point, this was occurring on a daily basis until her parents finally realized what was going on and put an end to the abuse. The emotional trauma from that experience stayed with Jennifer, and she confided often in those close to her about her feelings about this. At one point, she dreamed of becoming a professional women's basketball player, but at just five feet tall, that dream wasn't really feasible. The next best thing, according to her, would be to someday own her own hair salon. Although her bout with hiccups garnered sympathy from thousands of Americans, some of the attention Jennifer received was really less desirable. After appearing on TV several times, the internet took to their keyboards and ridiculed her for what they called bad eyebrows on a website that seemed like it was really made just for that purpose, just to make fun of Jennifer. Yeah, it's very cruel. During the hiccupping spell, Jennifer appeared on several different TV shows, including the Today Show, where she actually got to meet Keith Urban. Imagine, like, just getting the hiccups that didn't ever go away, and then you got to meet Keith Urban.
0: That could be the only way I would let my hiccups go more than an hour, if they were like, but right. you to meet Keith Urban, and be like, all right, two hours tops, I'm out of here. Yeah. <laughs> So the
1: hiccuping was so bad at one point that Jennifer was hiccuping as much as 50 times a minute, and she had to stop going to school, and she could only eat soft foods. She also had to take medication so that she would be able to go to sleep at night. During the five weeks that she had the hiccups, she tried various things, including home remedies, hypnotism, acupuncture, and she also sought the help of several medical specialists, until one day, the hiccups finally just stopped on their own. The research for this episode suggests that Jennifer was placed on a medication to control hiccuping, but that she would still occasionally have bouts of hiccuping that lasted longer than usual, not five weeks necessarily, but longer than expected.
0: Right. As Jennifer's teenage years continued on, she struggled more and more with her family relationships and the relationships that she had with boys. As early as age 13, Jennifer was already finding herself in abusive relationships where her boyfriends would physically attack her. At some point in her teen years, Jennifer became pregnant and her boyfriend actually beat her to the point of causing a miscarriage. That same boyfriend eventually introduced Jennifer to the world of selling drugs and she started to get pulled further and further into that lifestyle. Things actually got so bad between Jennifer and her stepfather that they couldn't even stand to be in the same room together anymore. And Jennifer said that during this time of her life, she felt like a complete outcast in her own family. In the aftermath of the hiccuping fiasco, Jennifer was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome. According to the NIH, Tourette syndrome is, quote, a neurological disorder characterized by repetitive, stereotyped, involuntary movements and vocalizations called tics, end quote. Oftentimes, children with Tourette's can have other conditions such as ADHD, OCD, impulse control disorder, and severe depression. All of these things were things that Jennifer struggled with at different times in her life. And you hear that a lot. Like uh, my son is on the autism spectrum. And so there's like, he also has ADHD and he like, you know, like there's all these things are like, they kind of all go hand in hand, not, not totally, but it's completely common to have several of these, which makes it, you know, for her, this is a much more complicated situation. Right. So at the age of 17, Jennifer made the decision to drop out of high school and pursue a life of her own. This was much to the dismay of her mom, Rachel, and her stepdad, Chris. They hated to see Jennifer struggling so much and only wanted the best for her, but they feared that she'd fallen into the wrong crowd and that her life was headed down a bad path. When she moved out of her parents' house, Jennifer really didn't have a place to call home, and so she slept on friends' couches and in different motel rooms each night, always moving from place to place. For Jennifer's whole life, she had been considered kind of gullible, and she would often get herself into troubling situations before realizing that she was really in too deep. According to Rachel, Jennifer was the type of person who could be really easily manipulated. Once Jennifer was out from under the watchful eye of her parents, she began to fall further and further into a life that her family had really no clue about. Jennifer hid most of what she was up to from her mom, but they did still have regular phone calls and visits and continued to have a relationship after she moved out. Rachel, on the other hand, had no idea the extent of Jen's lifestyle and activities or that she was becoming more involved with people who lived a life of crime. But being independent and on her own wasn't the only thing Jennifer had going on at that time. She was also in love.
1: The object of Jennifer's affection was a man named Lamont or Mont Newton. The few times that Lamont met Jennifer's parents, they seemed to really like him. Jen's mom, Rachel, believed Lamont genuinely cared for her daughter, unlike some of her previous boyfriends, so of course she approved of this relationship more than she had approved of relationships in the past. But there were many things that Rachel didn't know about Lamont, and also about her own daughter. Jennifer hid a lot of her true life from her family after she moved out, and what they didn't know was that Jennifer and Lamont had moved in with another man named Lauren Rayford and his girlfriend, Jennifer Charon, and the group of them were heavily involved in questionable activity. One of Lamont's favorite places to hang out was a local bikini bar, which everybody probably can assume what that actually is. And that bar was frequently in trouble with authorities for not following city ordinances and allowing other illegal activity to transpire within this business. It certainly wasn't the type of environment that would lead to positive outcomes, and it was located in an area that was a little more rough around the edges than what you typically find in St. Petersburg. Although Jennifer would go with Lamont at night when he'd head to this bar, she would never actually go into the club because, for one thing, she was underage and couldn't get in, and for another thing, she was busy out walking around the area selling crack cocaine and other drugs to the locals. Jennifer and Lamont's relationship was what some might consider dysfunctional. Although Jennifer was hopelessly devoted and head over heels for him, Lamont's friends said that he didn't really feel quite the same way. Lamont's first love was rap music, and he spent a lot of his free time in the studio recording his own. According to Lamont's brother, he was always a loving and caring person until he got mixed up with the wrong crowd, including his friend and roommate, Laurent. Lamont and his siblings grew up with their mom and stepfather, who they said was every bit of the dad that they really needed in their lives. Lamont actually wanted a relationship with his real father, but sadly that did not work out for him. When Lamont was a teenager, around 16, he experienced one of the most heartbreaking tragedies imaginable when he lost his mom. She passed away in 2004 at just 34 years old. It was four years later in 2008 when Lamont met Laurent and became good friends with him. And we're going to get into a lot more details of this story after a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. The world is full of distractions, which makes it so much harder to focus on what you are doing or what you need to do. Everyone needs something different from you, and it can feel like you can't concentrate on one thing, so it's hard to get anything else done. And I'm sure a lot of us feel the same way, which is why we're so excited to share Focal with our listeners. Focal Plant-Powered Wellness has been a huge help for me as it stacks use nature's best ingredients to help me focus during the day and sleep at night.
0: Focal offers both night and day options, and I recently started using Focal Night. It's basically Mother Nature's chill pill, which if you know me at all, you know I desperately need at the end of the day. It's calming adaptogens and soothing botanicals help me relax and even sleep better. It can take me anywhere from half an hour to three hours to fall asleep, and Focal Night is helping me get to sleep quicker and stay asleep longer by helping me calm my busy brain. Plus, I wake up feeling rested and refreshed.
1: Focal Night takes something that's already amazing, premium CBD, and stacks five calming adaptogens, including valerian root and hops flower to help you enter a peaceful, calming and relaxing state before you drift off to sleep. Focal works to naturally increase your serotonin and melatonin levels for a healthier night of sleep. And we all know a well-rested mind is one of the best gifts you can give yourself to make it through the day.
0: Best of all, Focal offers a 60-day money-back guarantee. Love it or pay $0. Use code MOMS for 15% off your order. Go to focal.com, that's F-O-C-L.com, and use code MOMS for 15% off your first order. Are you ready to revolutionize the way you enjoy food and essentials at home? Introducing Dash Pass from DoorDash, your ultimate ticket to convenience and savings. With Dash Pass, you gain exclusive access to unlimited $0 delivery fees on eligible orders, along with members only deals and discounts that will leave your wallet smiling. Whether you're craving the flavors of your favorite restaurants, need groceries from across town, or anything in between, DashPass grants you special access to exclusive promotions and menu items, adding an extra layer of excitement to your DoorDash experience. You get all this for only $9.99 a month, which is a small price to pay for unlimited convenience and savings. My family and I have had DoorDash for the past year or so, and while I make most meals at home, I don't know that I could mom without it. I used it twice, just this past week while we were dealing with a stomach bug at home, and it was so nice to have and to be able to focus on getting better and not running all over town to pick everything up for everyone. Don't wait. Sign up for DashPass now and unlock a world of possibilities, all from the comfort of your home. DashPass from DoorDash, delivering joy, convenience, and savings straight to your doorstep. Get more from delivery for less with DashPass.
1: Zero dollar delivery fees and reduced service fees on eligible DoorDash orders. Sign up for DashPass today and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply. Open the door to $0 delivery fees and savings you can't get anywhere else. Sign up for DashPass today, only on DoorDash, and get your first 30 days free if you're a new member. Subject to change. Terms apply.
0: And now back to the episode. So before the break, we were talking about how Lamont had gone through these rough experiences in his life right before he became friends with Leron, who some felt was really a bad influence on him. Friends of Jennifer claimed that she tried to get Lamont away from Laurent initially. She wanted to have a real relationship with Lamont and help him raise his young son, who she treated like her own child. But the relationship was still riddled with its problems. Jennifer struggled to get out from under her previous boyfriend, and she would frequently see him behind Lamont's back, despite the fact that her ex would abuse and mistreat her. Some might think that Lamont was responsible for Jennifer's work of selling drugs, but those who knew Jennifer knew that she was acting on her own accord. She'd been introduced to selling crack when she was first in her previous relationship and later admitted that she really enjoyed it and that she sold drugs willingly on her own. Jennifer had been on a self-destructive path for quite some time as it turned out, and there were things that even Lamont wasn't aware of. At some point, he allegedly learned that Jennifer had been sleeping with his best friend, Leron, and that the two of them were working together to run a scam in which Jennifer would go online and lure men with the premise of a date with her. But when the unsuspecting guy would show up to the date, Lauren would appear and rob him. Even though there were clearly some complicated details between these four friends, they all remained extremely close and cared for each other like family.
1: On October 23rd, 2010, Jennifer Mee, Lamont Newton, Jennifer Charon, and LaRon Rayford all planned on going out to see a movie at a local IMAX theater later that night. As per usual, Jennifer didn't have a lot of money to go out with, so she and LaRon orchestrated another one of their lure and rob scams so that Jennifer could get some money. This was really par for the course for them and had worked before, so Jennifer assumed that things would go smoothly and they'd get a little cash off of some unsuspecting guy and there would be no harm done. But hours later, Jennifer's mom, Rachel, would get a phone call that would change her life and the life of several others. It was around 11 p.m. on October 24th when the phone rang. Rachel had already gone to bed, but Jennifer's grandpa answered the phone. Her mom actually stayed with her parents during the week. I guess to be closer to work, I it was a little unclear in the research why she did that, but I did see that the mom didn't live with her husband during the week. She only went home on the weekends. So Jennifer's grandfather actually answered the phone when Jennifer called. Jennifer asked if her mom was awake and was told that she was not. And at this point, her grandpa, of course, already knows that she's calling from jail because he had to answer the call and, you know, accept the call. So he asked Jennifer simply how she was doing. And then Jennifer, very casually and matter-of-factly, told her grandfather that she had been arrested and charged with first-degree murder. (sighs) Yeah, so her grandpa was, of course, stunned. And the way Jennifer was really talking about this was like she didn't even have any clue, you know, the severity of what it was that she was saying. Her grandpa asked her who she killed, and Jennifer said that she didn't kill anyone. She was just in the wrong place at the wrong time. So her grandpa went to wake up Rachel so that she could talk to her daughter. And when her mom got on the phone, Jennifer once again very casually just said, Hi, Mama. I'm in jail. Oh, my gosh. And it was really like I listened to this call and it's it really is kind of like you almost do feel bad for her because you do get the sense that she doesn't really understand like what exactly is going on here.
0: Do you remember that on Jailbirds that show on Netflix that we watched the first episode where the one girl comes in and she's been like she's being charged with like armed robbery and like fleeing the police and all that stuff. And she's like wanting to make a phone call. And you're like, oh, my gosh, she has no idea. Like she's not getting, she's going to be in prison for 50 years over this. And she just, it's very Mm -hmm. casual. That's what this sounded like to me. So Rachel's initial thought was that Jennifer had been arrested on drug related charges. But when she asked, Jennifer simply said, quote, um, first degree murder in the first degree End quote, just like her grandpa had asked, her mom asked her who she had killed. And Jennifer once again said that she didn't kill anyone, but she told her mom that she had set everything up. She started to explain that she, Lamont, and Laurent were all involved and that another man had contacted her about buying a little bit of pot, so Jennifer set up a meeting with him at the park, but then someone pulled a gun and the man was shot. Her story was cut short, though, because Jennifer was being told that her time on the phone was up and that she had to go, but she told her mom that she was in the Clearwater Jail and begged her to come visit. Many questions raced through Rachel's mind after she hung up the phone with Jennifer The last thing she would have ever expected was to get a phone call from her daughter stating that she was charged with murder. She was also very confused because even though Jennifer did have her problems, she was never angry or violent and her mom had a really hard time believing that she would ever be involved in something like murder. Even though we mentioned that Jennifer hid much of her life from her family, she wasn't estranged from them and she kept in frequent contact with her mom and always returned her calls. Rachel remembered that Jennifer had called her the previous day and told her that Lamont was really hurt and Jennifer wanted to know if Rachel still had any of her pain medication left over from a recent surgery she had had. At that time, Rachel didn't think this was really odd, but she simply told her daughter that she needed her medicine and that if Lamont was hurt, he should see a doctor. There was no argument about it or anything. Jennifer just said okay and told her mom that she would talk to her later. They ended the call in good terms. Later that same day, one of Rachel's other daughters named Ashley called to see if Rachel wanted to meet up with her at a local park. Rachel agreed and said they should also invite Jennifer, but when Rachel called Jennifer back that afternoon to ask her to come along, Jennifer didn't answer and she never returned that call. Rachel remembered that she was a little concerned when she didn't hear back from Jennifer, but she assumed that everything was fine since she'd just spoken to her earlier, and Jennifer did like to do her own thing, so she really didn't think twice about it until she got that call from Jennifer in jail. So now it all made sense, including
1: why Jennifer had called her mom to ask about pain medication for Lamont, keeping in mind that he had just been involved in this altercation where a man was murdered the night before. So it also explained why Jennifer hadn't returned the calls about meeting at the park. She had actually been arrested shortly after the phone call about the pain pills. But what exactly happened that night? Well, at around 11 p.m. on the night of October 23rd, a man named Jason called authorities to report what he believed was a homeless man sleeping behind a vacant home nearby his address. The man had heard a lot of strange and loud noises, and he went outside with a flashlight to see what was going on, but at first he didn't see anything. And then he saw the figure of a person laying on the ground and immediately thought that it must have just been a homeless man. He went back into his apartment and told his girlfriend about this, and she actually encouraged him to just call the non-emergency line and report it. Several minutes later, Jason realized there was something much bigger than that going on when he looked outside and saw lots of flashing lights and police activity. He went back outside to try and see more of what was happening, and it quickly became apparent that what he called in was not just a homeless man sleeping on the ground. The man that he saw laying there had actually been shot. Some of the first pieces of evidence that police noticed upon arriving at the scene were two sneakers, a sandal, and a revolver that was on the ground, and it was pointed towards the direction of the victim, who had apparently been shot three times. Investigators speculated that the man had been killed in a robbery gone wrong. The victim was identified as 22-year-old Shannon Griffin. Shannon hadn't always lived in St. Petersburg or even in Florida at all. Up until 2005, he lived in Petal, Mississippi. But when Hurricane Katrina devastated the area, he fled to Florida where he had a family member already living. Shannon's cousin helped him get on his feet in Florida, and he was actively working towards his personal goals. At the time of his death, Shannon was employed by Walmart and had just recently celebrated his one year anniversary, which came with his very first ever week paid vacation. This was a very exciting time for Shannon, who had grown up in poverty, and he knew what it meant to really work hard for what you have. Friends and family of Shannon said that he was the nicest guy you could ever meet and that he had a very humble and caring personality, he stayed out of trouble, and he had dreams of one day attending college and getting himself out of Florida. According to his family, he wasn't involved in drugs and they couldn't really see any reason why he would be when he was so proud of having this steady job and he knew that Walmart performed random drug tests on its employees. So their question was, what was Shannon, who was typically pretty reclusive, doing out so late at night, and how did he end up dead? Investigators quickly learned that Shannon had been in contact with Jennifer
0: Mee in the week leading up to his death. The two had been chatting over social media platforms and eventually exchanged numbers and had contact over the phone. In a press conference held after Jennifer's arrest, the police chief stated that it was Jennifer Mee who had lured Shannon to the location where his body was later found, which was conveniently just about 300 feet away from where Jennifer Mee was living with Lamont, Leron, and Jennifer Chiron. The big question, though, was why? There was some debate over the answer to that question. It seemed that right from the early moments of the investigation, police were certain that Shannon believed he was going to meet Jennifer Mee on romantic pretenses. According to them, he thought the two were going on a date. Evidently, they had been told by Shannon's own family that he said he was leaving the house that night at around 10 p.m. to go meet up with a woman. Based on the evidence so far and the details of the crime scene, police believe that Jennifer had lured Shannon to the address of the vacant home, where she met up with him before taking him behind the building where Lamont and Leron were waiting to attack and rob him. The details of exactly what happened from there and how a simple robbery turned into murder were a little murky. It was determined that Jennifer's roommate, Jennifer Chiron, was not part of the plot that led to the death of Shanon Griffin. The entire plan had been concocted by Jennifer Mee and LaRon. Leron, as we mentioned before, was no stranger to bad behavior, and he was the one in the group that had a gun. In the weeks leading up to the incident, LaRon had actually brandished his weapon several times, once even threatening Jennifer's friend with it when she came to the apartment. Anyone who knew Laron knew he wasn't afraid to use his gun to strong-arm people into doing what he wanted, so it was no surprise that Laron would use the gun in the robberies that he and Jennifer Mee had set up. And we're going to get right back into what happened next after one last break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. There are some things in life that you just buy so often you sort of buy it on autopilot, like your toothbrush for example. For years I've just grabbed whatever was on sale at the grocery store and didn't give it a whole lot more thought. And while that's worked okay, it doesn't at all compare to that feeling after a cleaning at the dentist. But now, thanks to Bruch, every time you brush your teeth, it's just like hopping out of the dentist chair.
1: There are lots of electric toothbrushes out there, but Bruche beats them by a mile. Bruch is the modern electric toothbrush that not only keeps your teeth cleaner and fresher, but it's also nice to your wallet. Bruch provides 31,000 brush movements per minute, which, no matter how fast you are, it's still about 100 times faster than manual brushing. In just two minutes, you can have that just-left-the-dentist quality, clean feeling all without digging into your savings account.
0: We got our new Bruce toothbrushes a few weeks ago, and to be honest, I wasn't expecting a huge difference from this and my old electric toothbrush, but the difference between the two is really night and day. Bruce somehow manages to make a toothbrush look great, even while it's just sitting on your bathroom counter. But more than that, it's super easy to use, easy to charge, and my mouth feels cleaner than ever. I love that I have different brushing modes like whitening, tongue, or just daily so I can achieve exactly what I need with one brush. Bruce has a 90-day risk-free return period, hundreds of five-star reviews, and even a two-year warranty. So if you're on the fence about it, there's no reason not to give it a try. Plus, I love their A Reason to Smile partnership where they take care of a mouth in need with their one-for-one oral care give-back plan. So not only do your teeth feel great, so does your heart. Get yours today and get 15% off your Bruce kit when you use promo code MOMS at bruch.com. That's B-R-U-U-S-H.com, promo code MOMS. Now back to the episode.
1: Before the break, we were just getting into more detail about how Laurent behaved with his gun and the fact that he wasn't afraid to show it off or use it to scare people. As we mentioned before, the four roommates had plans to go see an IMAX movie on the night of October 23rd, but Jen needed some money first. When Jennifer Charon came home from work that evening, she noticed that Jennifer Mee was dressed up in an outfit that seemed to be overkill for a movie, but she also thought that maybe Jen just wanted to look nice for Lamont. So Jennifer Mee told her roommate Jennifer that she was going to get some money, which... Jennifer Charon assumed meant she was going to sell some drugs because everybody in this apartment is aware of what everyone else does. So it's not like it's a big right. secret that Jennifer me, you know, sells drugs or goes out and does this. So it's, it's often for her to just say, hey, I'll be right back. I'm going to go get some money. Shortly after Jennifer left the apartment, both Lamont and Laurent also left and Jennifer Chiron stayed behind to sh- take a shower and to get ready to go to the movies. But unfortunately, there would be no movie that night. As we said before, it's unclear exactly what Shannon thought that he was meeting up with Jennifer for. His family later said that he believed he was going on a date with her, but Jennifer claimed that he wanted to buy a small amount of pot from her, and that's why he came there in the first place. Either way, Shannon got on his scooter and drove over to where Jennifer Me told him to meet her, which was the address to this small vacant apartment building that's just a few hundred feet away from where she lived. The plan was really simple. Jennifer would meet up with Shannon, introduce him to LaRon and Lamont to buy pot, and then the two men would instead rob Shannon. But that plan went awry, according to Jennifer. When she walked Shannon to the back of the building, Lamont and LaRon appeared and grabbed Shannon by the neck to start choking him. LaRon took out the gun and pointed it at Shannon and told him to keep quiet and cooperate. Shannon, however, was not a weak man, and he wasn't about to let these two guys just beat him up and steal his money, so he fought back against them, which is something that Laurent had not been prepared for. While this fight was going on between these three men, Jennifer Mee started to walk back off towards the front of the building, and that's when she says she heard the first gunshot. She said that she didn't see anything and had no clue who had been shot or who had pulled the trigger— But she said once she heard that gunshot go off, she ran back towards her apartment.
0: When Jennifer Mee burst through the door screaming that she heard gunshots, Jennifer Charon knew that something really bad had happened. She immediately wanted to go outside and find LaRon and Lamont, or as she referred to them, the boys. Before Jennifer could get down the stairs, LaRon, who had no shoes on, came running frantically into the apartment. He told the two Jennifers that Lamont had been shot and that he was dead. Keep in mind, when this happened, it was dark outside and a chaotic scuffle between these three men had taken place. So LaRon believed that it was Lamont who had gotten shot. And even when, you know, the guy calls a tip into the non-emergency line, he doesn't even really see what's going on. So you can, you know that this is like a very dark situation and just, it's so chaotic. So Leron hadn't anticipated that Shannon would put up a fight, but when he pulled out the gun, Shannon started punching and wrestling LaRon to the ground. He told the girls that at some point, Shannon had gotten a hold of the gun. He didn't remember exactly when the gun went off, but it was during this whole scuffle. As he was telling the story to the two girls, and they were panicking and obviously very upset that Lamont was dead, they quickly realized that it wasn't Lamont who had been shot. Lamont came bursting through the door moments later. Can you imagine that kind of a situation where you don't even oh know my gosh. who's been shot? And, you know, you, I just can't. This whole thing is just crazy. So he and LaRon both had numerous scrapes and bumps on them and looks like they had been in a pretty bad fight. Instead of calling 911 and reporting the incident, all four of the friends began trying to cover up their involvement while Laron kept repeating, I think I shot him. They contemplated going back to the crime scene to get the items they left behind, like the shoes that Laron was missing and the gun, but ultimately they decided not to go back there and instead they went to a friend of Jennifer Charon's house. The next day, Jennifer Charon wanted to make things appear as normal as possible, so she went to work as scheduled and left Jennifer, me, Leron, and Lamont at her friend's house. Leron later sent a text message to a friend saying that he had killed someone and that he needed to get out of St. Pete ASAP. Meanwhile, police who discovered the murder were working on finding out who Shannon was, where he lived, and finding family or friends who might be able to to help them piece together where <laughs> Shannon was going that night and who exactly he was going to be meeting up with. Shannon's cousin was able to tell the police that he had gone out that night to meet a girl he met online and that Shannon was really just super happy to be going out on this date.
1: Police were also able to obtain phone records which showed the last phone number Shannon had dialed that night. The phone number came back to Lauren Rayford. That didn't necessarily mean that Laurent was the one to call Shannon, though, because Jennifer Mee and Lamont didn't have cell phones of their own, so they would actually use Laurent and Jennifer Cheren's phones. Using this information, police were able to get an address for Laurent and they began trying to track him down. At that point, they didn't know that there were any other people involved, and Laurent was really just their main person of interest. Then a tip came in that helped police finally find Laurent Someone called and said that there were two guys involved in the shooting that were still inside of her friend's apartment, and she gave the police the address, and so the police were able to go there and find him. Laurent was arrested without any incident. He fully cooperated with the police, and he didn't give them any trouble at all. Lamont and Jennifer Mee were also inside the apartment, and they were told to go wait outside in a parking lot nearby. After questioning everyone, it became more clear what took place. LaRon told the police that Jennifer Mee had met Shannon on MoCo Space. I guess that's what it is. What is I, that? Do you even know, I Googled Melissa?
0: it. So it was something to do with MySpace, which makes sense. But I feel like it was kind of like the Farmville for MySpace. Remember when Farmville was a huge thing on Facebook? Oh, yeah. I think it was kind of like <laughs> that. So it was like a social networking, but more of a game sort of thing. That's what I took from my Googling.
1: Okay. I guess I just was... Never heard of it, though. I never know. heard of it. I, I didn't. I never did either. Okay. So he said that Jen gave Shannon his phone number, and they communicated on the phone. Shannon allegedly wanted to buy a half ounce of marijuana, so Jen set up the meeting. But Laurent admitted that the plan all along was just to rob Shannon. Laurent also threw Lamont under the bus and told the detectives that it was Lamont who fired the shots. Further, he told police that they never even had any marijuana at all to sell. This entire plan was really just to lure Shannon there for this fake drug deal and then steal his money. When Shannon was killed, he had just $60 in cash on him, which Laurent said that the two Jennifers took and used to buy pot for themselves.
0: Once it was determined that Laurent, Lamont, and Jennifer Mee were all directly involved in the murder, they were all arrested and charged with murder in the first degree. The story given by each of the three that were arrested were all slightly different. There were some details of the case that a jury would have to be the ones to decide whether they were actually factual or not. Laurent had pretty much pinpointed Lamont as a shooter and said that Jennifer Mee was the reason that Shannon even came over there. Jennifer Mee insisted that she had no idea that Leron brought a gun along with him or that anyone would be killed. She disputes the idea that she led Shannon to believe they were meeting up for a date, and she said that she really did just set him up to buy pots so that the boys could rob him. But as we mentioned before, Shannon's family was very adamant that he left that night thinking he was going to meet a girl and he was super excited about it. And there was also the fact that Jennifer was wearing a nice dress despite her plans to simply go to the movies that night. Although you could still say she wanted to, you know, look nice for Lamont, but some believe she dressed like that on purpose because of this idea that she was going on this date or said she was going to go on this date with Shannon. Even though police were certain that Jennifer wasn't the one that pulled the trigger, they were still able to charge her with murder under the felony murder rule, which essentially says that even if you are not the one to commit the murder, if you knowingly had any part in causing the death of another person, you can be charged with murder. Since Jennifer had been the one to set up this meeting with Shannon, he would have never been there without Jennifer's involvement. She was just as guilty as the person who fired the gun. The first of the three to stand trial was Leron Rayford. He was offered a plea deal in which he would serve 40 years in prison if he were to plead guilty. LaRon, though, refused this offer and insisted on going to trial, which was a decision that the judge told him was very unwise. If a jury were to find Laron guilty of murder, under Florida law he would have to be sentenced to life in prison without parole. But if he would take the plea deal, he could have been out of jail when he was just 60. But he insisted that he wanted to go to trial. After just a few days of testimony, the jury hearing this case returned a guilty verdict, and just as the judge said would happen, she handed down a life sentence.
1: When it came to Jennifer's trial, things were a bit more complicated. The question that needed to be answered was whether or not Jennifer was the mastermind to the horrific murder, or if she was just a bystander in the wrong place at the wrong time. Jennifer was evaluated several times and found that she had a low to normal level of intelligence. Her attorney told the court that she had been diagnosed with schizophrenia, which led to another evaluation to determine whether or not she was even competent to stand trial. And it was determined that she was. The defense pointed to Jennifer as being the main reason that Shannon was killed. They really drove home the point that it was Jennifer who formed a relationship with this man and she was the one who lured him to the vacant address knowing that she was doing so with the intent of setting him up. Whether or not Jennifer knew or planned for Shannon to be shot was irrelevant. She still willingly participated in carrying out a felony. The jury heard all of the testimony and saw all of the evidence, including that Jennifer's fingerprints were on many of the items linked to the victim, such as his driver's license. At the end of the trial, the judge explained to Jennifer that the jury really had three options on the table. They could either convict her of first-degree murder, which would carry a life sentence, or they could choose from two lesser charges. One of the lesser charges was accessory after the fact, which had a maximum penalty of 30 years in prison. And the other option was manslaughter, which would be as much as 15 years in prison. The jury deliberated over the case for just four hours before returning with their verdict. Jennifer's mom, Rachel, was really hopeful at this point that they would show her mercy and that the jury would find her guilty of a lesser charge than murder. Rachel hoped that Jennifer would be out of prison in a maximum of 10 to 15 years. Unfortunately for Rachel and for Jennifer, that is not what the jury had in mind. They found Jennifer guilty of first-degree murder, and she was sentenced to life in prison. Jennifer's boyfriend, Lamont Newton, was the last of the three to go to trial in December of 2013, and just like the other two co-defendants, he was also found guilty by a jury, and he was also sentenced to life in prison. So in this case, all three of them were convicted of first-degree murder, even though... It was like – I never really did figure out – I don't know if they ever figured out if who actually pulled the trigger, if it was Leron or Lamont. I think the consensus was that it was Leron, but I never found anything in the research that really said that they actually had proof of who pulled the trigger. But I did find it interesting, like – because of the laws that we have here in Florida, that all three of them were actually able to be tried for first degree murder and that they all
0: were convicted for the same crime. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm honestly kind of shocked that they were convicted of first degree murder, just because first degree murder is premeditated. And I could see I could see it both ways I guess it just doesn't make sense that somebody would lure somebody to kill them for $60 but we've seen that happen too you know what I mean so it's not it's not out of the realm of possibilities but that first degree murder charge is that's big and for all three of them to have it I'm I'm honestly kind of shocked I'm just thinking we're the home of Casey Anthony and she got off of that and to I don't know I just I don't know it just feels like all of them kind of had a kind of a rough life meanwhile shannon definitely is killed and you know he doesn't even have his life you know and he was working hard he didn't deserve any of this so i don't want to pretend like anything with them you know I, like he's the victim here right they of course. they definitely you know shouldn't have done what they they had done but boy i don't think i mean i don't i don't even have words for it It just – first-degree murder is just – I was actually shocked whenever I saw that they were all convicted of first-degree murder. I I assumed they would have gotten manslaughter or something like that. I'm not saying anybody's wrong, but I just – I was just surprised.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that too because like you said, it is premeditated. I guess their whole theory though was that even though they didn't necessarily plan murder, like they still – thought out and planned out a robbery, which is also still Mm -hmm. illegal. And then this ended up in the death of this man, like whether they intended for him to die or not, I guess the theory is that you should be able to reasonably assume that anything can happen whenever you put yourself in this kind of situation and somebody could end up killed. And like that's the risk that you take when you are planning to lure and rob people. You have to consider like everything that could possibly happen. Yeah. And unfortunately, having it escalate to this level is something that can happen, especially when you choose to bring a weapon into the situation. So, I mean- It makes sense. I feel like they- I just was surprised. It does make sense- (laughs) it it is surprising because i do feel like it wasn't a pre, it wasn't a premeditated murder so was it really first degree murder i could see getting them on on you know on definitely a lesser charge a lesser murder yeah. charge but i mean i i feel like they all do deserve to spend some to spend some time in jail for what they did so yes, this was a very heartbreaking story and it's very sad that Shannon lost his life in such a senseless way right. and for really no reason, just because the rest of this group wanted to have some cash to go to the movies with and like this is what ended up happening that night. It's just terribly sad and totally unnecessary. Right. Just- Just a really awful story. Melissa, actually, you suggested this case to me because you had heard of Hiccup Girl before. And I feel like I vaguely heard of her when she went through the Hiccup thing, but I just didn't even know that she ended up involved in a murder case. I never really knew until you told me, like, hey, that Hiccup Girl there's a story about her. And so it was really interesting. I do want to shout out this book that I used um, in my research. It's called One Breath Away by M. William Phelps. And it had a lot of information about the background of the story and a lot of the details about what exactly happened the day of the crime. And there was that kind of information was really hard to find anywhere yeah. else. So I did want to mention that book because it was definitely a a very heavily used resource in this episode. so check that out if you want to hear more information about this case or read rather it was it was a pretty good book for a true crime book I've yeah. liked it. I mean, I like them all but you know you know how yeah, it is <laughs> yeah. Okay, so we are going to turn the page and move on to last thing before we go. We have, Just a silly question again this week, and we're going to just answer it.
0: So, Melissa, what is our silly last thing before we go question this week? Sometimes we just hit a wall, and here's our wall. Then the question is, (laughs) Mandy, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest? Okay. So
1: I feel like... The obvious and easy answer that everyone agrees with is going to have to be cats would definitely be the rudest. Okay. So that's like a no brainer. So I didn't even want to say cats (laughs) because duh, that's what everyone's going to say. And people don't want me to say cats because that's like what they would expect. So other animals that I think would just be super rude. Okay. So one, I think people might come for me for this because I know some people really like this particular animal, but I think they would be totally rude. Um, A sloth. Yeah.
0: No, I can see it. They creep me out. Yeah,
1: right? Like I feel like they would just be cranky and irritable all the time and like just rude and ex- they would just be very entitled and expecting everybody else to do things for them <laughs> or to like, you know, just read their minds and like do what they wanted. But like they would be very rude about it. I feel like just one of those, I don't know, because I feel like you even kind of know people with that kind of attitude. And I'm picturing a very specific kind of person when I yeah. think of a sloth yeah being rude you know what I mean so um so I totally get that but then my other animal that I think would be rude but not necessarily in the same type of way I think in a more just like being super arrogant and just like a know-it-all and just thinking that they are better than everyone
0: else an owl Mm, yeah and they can turn their head around they just yeah everybody's business yeah for (laughs) sure so I think those are my two rudest animals (laughs) I like that have you ever seen the video of um, a sloth like Crossing the street, so it's not on a it's not on a um tree, but it's in the road. It becomes very creepy. Anyone that says they like a sloth and think they're <laughs> cute, when you see it crossing a road like that, it is like scary movie scary I think I saw even like a clip and somebody put scary music to it and I was like I can't do this this is this is not right well aren't
1: their legs and arms like super weird and not proportionate or something I don't know because I feel like you only ever see them pictured when they're like hanging on in a tree or something and you're like oh how cute you know but when they are on their hands and feet like they are they are kind of scary. Move them
0: from vertical to horizontal and it's right. just <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Honestly. Okay, so I have two. My first, if animals could talk, which would be the rudest, is a blobfish. Like, people are always talking about how ugly they are and you gotta think it's gotta get to them after a while. So I feel like if they could talk, they would be like, <laughs> they like have put this tough exterior up, but really they're just giant, a giant softy. But I feel like they would be like, I'm about tired of making the number one list of ugliest animals.
1: <laughs> I have to every look stinking blobfish. I don't even know what it looks. <gasps> like.
0: Google it. It is. I'm sorry, Blobfish. You can say rude things to me. They're terrible. Oh, my gosh. It's so ugly. (laughs) See, they're going to be rude to you. I can't help it. I don't make the rules. So yeah, they're terrifying, but I'm sure they have great personalities. Um, My (laughs) other ones is elephants. So you would think elephants would be really sweet, but Mandy, they're pregnant for 21 months. (laughs) How pissed would you be if you were pregnant for 21 months? And then you have to give birth to an elephant. (laughs) Your body is broken after carrying this thing around for 21 months. I would be the rudest elephant in the world.
1: I know. I know. I know. I feel like sometimes that's what um, pregnancy feels like. It feels like you're pregnant for 21 months. Don't tell an elephant to to an elephant.
0: Yeah. (laughs) And everyone calls him Dumbo. It's so rude. Like they just have a lot to be mad about. I don't blame them.
1: I know. Well, see, if I had to classify like like who I thought would be the friendliest animals, elephants would be among that list. Mm. So I'm very upset and disappointed that you think elephants would be rude because I, I mean, I think
0: your reasons are valid. (laughs) Dumbo, 21 months giving birth to an elephant. Yeah, I'd be pissed.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I didn't consider those things before. (laughs) Okay, so that was our absolutely silly before we go this week. And yeah, let us know what you guys think, what animals would be the most rude because those are fun and interesting. And I personally love assigning like human personality traits to animals because it's funny and adorable. And I always do that. Like I'll sit and look at my pets and stuff and be like, I wonder what they would say if they could talk. I have voices for all of them. I have personalities for all of them. I know I could carry on a conversation with any of my animals right now, which probably surprises no one. No.
0: Mm Mm-mm. Yeah,
1: so that's always uh, a lot of fun. None of my pets are rude. They don't. None of them have a rude personality, by the way, that I made up in my
0: head. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> just know if you get an elephant, you're gonna have to rethink your whole your whole way of thinking. <laughs> yeah.
1: All right. So I think that is good for this week. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week, same time, same place, new story. Have a great week.
0: Bye.